Welcome to the Church at the Springs podcast. The Springs exist to lead our generation to God and connect people to a community of Christ followers who change their world. To learn more about us, visit thesprings.net. We hope you enjoy the message. Oh, man. Don't you wish that you could just kind of set up a couple chairs and a table downtown and just say, hey, I just need some, some advice to, to your biggest problems and you get the answers. Uh, man, set it up in the lobby, right? It's like, I mean, where can I go for good advice? And, uh, and I know, you know, for you and I, we've all lived long enough to reap the benefits in our lives of good decisions that we've made or good habits we've put into place or, and we've also lived long enough to, you know, suffer the consequences of bad decisions and some bad habits we put in our lives because eventually we all get to the place where we realize that uh, today's decisions that we make become tomorrow's realities for us. And have you ever thought, I wish I could have, go back in time and talk to a younger me. Yeah, knowing what you know now, right? I mean, where would you go? What time, where would that be? What season of your life? What, uh, I started thinking about that. I, I think for me, uh, first one I, I would go back to, I would go back to uh, have a conversation with first grader, Ronnie Sylvia. And, and I, it, would, it would look something like this. Now, listen, Ronnie, I know you're shy and I know you don't, uh, you don't like to raise your hand in class to ask questions and you don't like to, to talk in front of people. And, uh, and I get that, but listen, there's gonna come a time later on this year that you have to go to the bathroom really bad. And, and you're gonna raise your hand and the teacher's not gonna see you because she's working with other students. And, and I just want you, listen to me, don't wait, get up and go to the bathroom. You'll be glad you did. <laughs> there's a whole story that goes, I mean, there's a scarring right here. That's a memory that will never go away. But, but we've all had a lot of those. And you know, today we're kicking off the series, you'll be glad you did. It's timeless advice uh, for, for troubled times in our lives and in the world. It's like, how do I find that? Jesus preached the longest sermon that, that he preached that was recorded in Matthew five through seven. We know it as the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount was uh, really, it was kind of the go-to message. As he began his ministry, he, he preached this sermon and uh, it laid out the foundation, the tenets, if you will, of his, his kingdom ethics. And it all, he taught in those three chapters is how to live, how, how to live, you know, how to react to people when they wrong you, how to serve people, how to love people. It was a big how-to sermon. And, and a lot of scholars believe that the Sermon on the Mount was kind of his go-to sermon, and he preached it a lot in different places. And that's why it was recorded in two of the Gospels. But in Matthew, uh, when he gets to the end of this sermon, 
I, I want to take you to that one because this, these are the things that he says to wrap up the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7, verse 24 to 25, it says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. It's like, he said, the implication is that I want you to live wisely. And, and in order to do that, you're going to listen and you're going to follow. You're going to know and you're going to do. That, that's it. And he's saying that I want your life, your decisions, your relationships, your finances, every arena of your life. I want it to be characterized and shaped by wisdom. And that's knowing and doing. Yeah, I mean, the, really the foundation of this, this parable at the end is knowing and doing are, are two different experiences with two completely different outcomes. Knowing and doing. And because here's the thing, we all, we all have known people that know better. They just don't do better, right? And if you're sitting with them, don't look at them right now. It's a, you know, we, what I'm saying is we've seen really smart people do really stupid things. They knew better. They just didn't do better. And, and go ahead and go back to scripture, guys. Thanks. It says, so though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. And, and all of the listeners knew that building something on bedrock in that time was, it, it took longer, it cost more. The, the, the builder made a decision that was a future focused decision because it would withstand all of the floodwaters, all of the rain, and it would stand because it was built on a rock. And it, and it and, you know, and that's what Jesus is saying. He said, you, you, you've got to, I want you to live wisely. And, and then he flips that too and tells the reverse of it in the next verse when he says, and he says, everyone who hears my words and doesn't follow. And he says, if you don't put them into practice, that's a foolish man. He said, I want you to be wise. I don't want you to be a fool. And we don't, we don't use the term fool. We don't, let, that's degrading, right? To say fool, you're a fool. Um, it, Jesus didn't seem to mind, but it, it, was, it was really, you know, that, that word in biblical times, really a fool was someone who decides to live their life as if life is not connected. In other words, what I do today doesn't impact tomorrow. It's like uh, the, today's decisions don't define or impact what my future looks like. That's what a fool, that's how a fool lives. And, and yet uh, over the next several weeks, we're gonna be talking about some of the things that, that are, think about your future you coming back and talking to you today. What is it, what is that advice? What have you learned? What do you know that you need to do today? And, uh, and honestly, if I was going to write a letter to me today from my future Ron, I, I would imagine it would say something like, Ron, 
Don't overthink it. You live in your head way too much. <laughs> Get out of your head. I mean, I, because I'm often guilty of overthinking things. Um, I think, you know, these catastrophic worst case scenarios. I, I mean, I'm afraid at times of messing up or missing out. And, and that consumes me. And, uh, and I'm guessing that I'm not alone in that. That's not some big startling revelation because most of you overthink things. And overthinking is, is really, let me give you a working definition. It's when what you're thinking gets in the way of what you should be doing. You're, you're, it means you have this abundance of thoughts running through your head, but they never work into real action. They, your overactive thoughts produce nothing but stress and anxiety. And really, as I studied it this week, I realized that this is a real problem. Uh, because it's written about and it's talked about. And they, they talk about there's actually two different uh, categories of overthinking. The first one is ruminating. We ruminate. That's rehashing the past. That's, uh, that's like, oh, man, I can't believe I said that. And why did I say that? And what, man, they're, they're, I'm never going to get invited back. And I mean, I look like a fool. And why would I, right? And we, we run back and you see scenarios in your past and decisions that you made. And you go, why did I do that? And you're rehashing the past. That, you're ruminating. And then the second one is worry. You're worrying. Worrying is imagining worst case scenarios about the future. And uh, I, I thought about that. That uh, because Easter, we uh, last last Sunday we had uh, everybody over five o'clock. We had dinner together at our house, and um, and it, it was great because Rourke and Vaughn, two of our grandsons, came busting in the door. Hey, Papa and Gigi. And I, what I love about those guys is that they're they're both gift givers. They love to give you things and. Uh, Rourke came in and he said, hey, and he gave me this book. He said, hey, I gave you, I, I want you to have this book. And, and the book was, uh, I think you got a picture of it, Live or Die. <laughs> Surviving real life disasters. And I'm like, really? And, the, and, I, and I love the fact that this was his book and he read it and he really liked it and he wanted to share it. But it was like, hey, happy Easter, live or die. And, uh, but, but it makes you know, perfect sense because his father, Jacob, when he was a kid, he always read, I don't know if you remember these books, worst case scenario books. He read these. It was expert advice for extreme situations. Jacob growing up, he knew how to get out of a sinking car. He knew how to get out of the grip of an alligator. He, he knew all this crazy stuff, man. Uh, worst case scenarios, but you know what? That's exactly the way we live in our thoughts. We're thinking worst case scenario and we're worried. The truth is worrying is usually worse than the problem. And, and overthinking something can take you from winning to losing in 24 hours. That, that's what happened in the Old Testament. I want to sit down on the prophet Elijah. He, he went from winning to losing in 24 hours. He went from one of the most epic stories of God showing up in, in 1 Kings 18. It was at Mount Carmel. It, it was a, I mean, he knew the thrill of victory 
but he also knew the agony of defeat, man. He knew the power of God. He saw the power of God, but he also knew the depths of depression. And, and King Ahab was the king at that time. Elijah was a prophet. Ahab was a wicked king. And Jezebel, his wife, was even more wicked. And so they, they had this showdown between the prophets of Baal. There were 450 prophets of Baal. Read the 1 Kings 18. It's an amazing account of uh, Elijah goes against 450 prophets of the false god Baal. And they, they, they basically had a contest and said, listen, this is the way we're going to do it. We're going to build an altar. And you, you call on your God and I'll call on my God. And whoever ignites the fire wins. That was basically it. And, they, and he said, and you first. And these 450 prophets went. And they were calling and screaming and, and, and went on and on. And Elijah was just trash talking them the whole time. And, and then it, it, it was his turn. And he just called out to God and God just ignited the altar. I mean, that just, and that, that was it, the incredible victory. And then the 450 prophets were killed. I mean, massive victory. I mean, they, and everybody that saw it, who would ever forget it? That was a moment that you, you would never forget. But within 24 hours, apparently Elijah did. Because right after that, you see Elijah goes into this battle with anxiety, depression, and even suicidal thoughts. How do you go from a victory to that kind of defeat? What would Elijah say to us today? Let me give you a couple of takeaways. First one I think he would say is, don't overfeel how you think. Don't overfeel how you think. I mean, hey, have you ever heard somebody give uh, you the advice, listen, just follow your heart? That's the stupidest advice you will ever get. <laughs> Do not follow your heart. Your heart is dumb, okay? Truth is, if some of you really followed your heart, you'd be in jail by two o'clock today. You know, it's just... You know, I mean, Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? It's, what he's saying is, hey, it's worse than you think. I mean, don't, don't follow. I mean, listen, that your feelings are not facts. You can't trust just feelings. Feelings will lie to you. And, and what you feel is not necessarily real. And, and so if you focus on your feelings, you're going to make a decision based on feelings. And when your feelings change, you're going to question the decision. So it's like, you know, and, and for Elijah, that it, let me kind of take you to uh, 1 Kings 19. It says, after this massive victory, when Ahab, the king, got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. I mean, that, that was like, the, she, she's so mad that she says, I want Elijah dead within 24 hours. And how did Elijah respond? 
Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. I mean, he, he was afraid. He ran. I'm sitting there going, wait a second. Didn't you just see what God did? Did you miss that? And I also thought, you know, there's things I think, I'm thinking like, well, if she really wanted to kill him, she wouldn't have sent a messenger. She would have just sent an assassin, right? I mean, so I don't know. I mean, but, but he was afraid of the message. And, and yet the, the first thing he does is run for his life. And, it, and then it said he dropped his servant off in Beersheba. And it, and it doesn't say why he did that, but his heart was heavy and he was running for his life and he dropped his servant and went on. But isn't that what we usually do? And when we get our hearts are heavy and we're confused and we don't know what to do and, and we're distraught, we just want to be alone. I just, I just need to be alone with my thoughts. I need to think through this. I, I got I to gotta figure this one out. That's a natural reaction is to isolate and withdraw. And that would be the second takeaway I think that Elijah would give to us is that isolation is the on-ramp to worry in your life. When, when you pull back, when you, isolation feels like the right thing to do. It just, I just don't want to talk to anybody. I just don't feel like being with anybody right now. It feels right, but it's always wrong. Isolation, listen, it's great for vacations, but it's a terrible place to live. And I mean, it's it, it, because isolation feeds anxiety like gasoline feeds a fire. And it's a, it, this, in the best of times in our lives, it's not a good idea to be alone and carry your burdens by yourself. And in the worst of times, in the storms of our lives, it's a disaster. It's just a tragedy. And so, but Elijah keeps going. And in verse uh, four of 1 Kings 19, it says, then he went on alone into the wilderness, further deep in, far away from people and traveled all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and he prayed that he might die. Where did that come from? How, how could you get there? This is the same guy that called down fire from heaven. What happened? Listen, after some of your greatest victories, you and I, we are prone to emotional and spiritual discouragement after you've had these wins and these victories and these highs in your life, you are prone more than any other time to spiritual and emotional, just drain and discouragement. I mean, think back on those times. You know, one of my more discouraging times in ministry, right after we built this building. We moved into... I mean, our first permanent location, of, and we were, we were here. And what most of you never knew is that I was thinking about leaving a month after we moved into this building. 
because I was empty. One of the greatest highs. We all do that. We feel that. And then it goes on and he, and he said, I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. What he was saying was, that, you know what? I, I'm no better than my ancestors. I didn't have, you know, any more success than they did in getting rid of the Baal worship from Israel. That's what he was saying. And he just exhausted and discouraged. He just laid down and he went to sleep. And then uh, you see in, uh, further on in verse 9 and 10, there he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? How did you get here? What are you doing? And then he go goes on and said, uh, Elijah said, I've zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. Do you see how many times he says, I, 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 I. You're so myoptic in those times. You're so focused on you. He wasn't the only one. He just felt that way because he was alone. Because when you get alone, you get in the echo chamber of your mind and, you know, the, the problem with overthinking is that you're the only one thinking, <laughs> right? You're just, it's just you over and over and over again. He, he didn't remember the victory. All he saw was the defeat. He, he, fear and discouragement caused him to look and see nothing but the dark side. He sensed failure when God just gave him the greatest victory of his lifetime. Isolation is a dead end. It's a cul-de-sac for worry and anxiety circling in your life. And, the, you know, when, when you're in a difficult situation, oftentimes the only thing you see is your difficulty when you're isolated, when you're alone. And I've talked to people through the years. It's always interesting to me that they, they say, you know, for whatever reason, when I begin to struggle when uh, it, I'm worrying or anxious about my job or my family or the really, I don't know why, but one of the first things I do is I, I, I just stop going to church. I just stop attending. I pull back, I withdraw. One of the ways the enemy wants to neutralize you is draw you into isolation. And I just want to encourage you if that's where you are. I mean, if you're watching online and you're sitting there and that's where you are right now, I want to challenge you. Step back in. Because isolation will take you down further. I mean, God created us for community, for life on life. And, and, I, and I know it's a natural reaction to want to isolate. And I get that. And, and, uh, and let me say this too, for those of you that are joining us online or maybe you, you do regularly and you're here today, I, I'm not down on online ministry. I love the fact that we have technology that, that we're available and we could be with people when they're out of town or not feeling well or they're, you know, they're, they're people that are not physically able to be here. Um, but it's not a substitute. It, it's not... It, it's not uh, it's not a decision that should be an every week decision. 
And, and that's my caution and concern that I, I just want to offer out. Don't, don't just stay online where you're isolated. And if, if that's it, I, I, I met a guy last week, uh, Easter, and it was his first time here and he's from out of state and I was talking to him and, and he said, man, wow, I, if, if this church was closer where I live, he said, man, I, I mean, I would be there. I, we loved it. He and his wife were talking to me. And, uh, and I said, well, I mean, you guys could watch us online. And he went, online? What do you mean? And I said, well, we stream the service every week and you can watch, you know, from uh, your home. And he went, he looked at his wife, he just kind of hit her in the arm and he says, we could invite the whole office to our house and we could all watch together. I love that. That's you're doing community. That's what the church is, right? And so, and so you, you've got to move out of isolation. You've got to continue to step in to community. And, uh, and then the, the last thing Elijah would say probably is, trust God to redirect your thoughts and your actions. Trust God to do the redirection. I, I love the fact that when... Uh, uh, God, when Elijah first was in isolation and he was just sleeping, he was just exhausted. He was depleted. God sent an angel. And you can go back and read through that whole account in, in, uh, er, earlier in the 19th chapter because I love the fact that he sends an angel and the angel wakes him up. And when, he, when the angel woke up Elijah, he could have, I mean, think about it. He could have said a bunch of things to him. But you know what he said? He, he, the most spiritual thing that he could think to say to Elijah. This is it. You ready? Get up and eat. <laughs> like what? Get, get up and eat. And Elijah looked and there was some warm bread. It's like warm bread. Woke him up. He said, get up and eat. I mean, think about it. You know, the, those words, I think... The top three things that human beings need to hear are, I love you, I forgive you, and dinner is ready. <laughs> right? That's like, this is it. It's like, move, move in. I mean, because what he did was he met his physical needs in the midst of this emotional depletion and spiritual uh, battle that he was in. I mean, think about what the angel could have said to him. The angel could have said, smacked him and said, Elijah, what are you doing, man? You're sleeping the day away. You're one of the epic prophets. I mean, get up and do your job, man. Go confess your sin and pray and get on with it. He didn't. He said, get up and eat. And he said that multiple times. He addresses an emotional problem through a, a physical need. And, and then... Uh, in verse 15, the Lord told him, now go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. He said, I want you to go back the same way. You, you came off course. I'm sending you back. And that, that was stepping up. I mean, that, that he said, you got to get it. The way you feel is not real. I gave you victory. I need you to get back in the game. I need you to move. I need you to do something. 
Isolation is not the place to be. That's what God says to all of us. It's like, get, get, get back in, do something. And, you know, Paul gave some of the, the, the best advice. And when I think about it in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, when it comes to this whole overthinking, he, he said, it's a classic text in 4, 6, and 7. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. I mean, that, it's like, don't worry, pray. You know, worry is talking to yourself about your problems. Prayer is talking to God about your problems. And that's just revert that thing. And whenever you're feeling worried, that's your cue to pray. You know, worrying won't change anything, but prayer changes everything. That's kind of a verse. If, you, if you're looking for a scripture to memorize, grab Philippians 4, 6, and 7 this week. And just let that one wash over. And whenever you start worrying, you ever start overthinking, get out of your head and start praying. Those are those middle of the night wake-up calls, right? 3 a.m., what am I going to do? Oh, I got to, your brain starts running. And you start overthinking it. Start, start praying. Giving it to God. Cast all your cares upon him. You know, um, I think what many of you don't know uh, is the Tuesday before Easter. The unthinkable happened here at the Springs. Um, our website went down. Actually, our website was shut down. Tuesday before Easter, GoDaddy, who hosted the site, shut it down. And we started calling and said, what happened? What? And come to find out that uh, the, the website was in Keith Duncan's name. Uh, one of our pastors that we lost during COVID. And Keith had a five-year renewal on that, on his credit card. And so we didn't have his email and his credit card had been shut down. And so they were trying apparently to get hold of him and didn't. So they just shut it off. And man, we, I mean, we, they were, we had to jump through a bunch of paperwork and phone calls and we, we had to send his death certificate to them. They said, well, you've got to prove that this is true. And we're like, and, and, and I, I'm sitting there going, are you kidding me? We've done this social media push and people are driven to the website and all it says is that, you know, it's parked. And I'm like, what are we going to do? I mean, and then, then to top it off, I, I looked at the weather and there's 88% chance of rain on Easter Sunday. And I'm like, God, are you seeing this? <laughs> and, and I mean, that I'm in my head, man. Okay, I was worried. Okay, what I'm telling you is this message is for me. It got to me before it's coming to you. But it, I was like, God, what? What? I mean, I'm worried. I'm waking up. This is waking up in the middle of the night stuff saying, I mean, can I go to, I, I got to call somebody. What, do I go to corporate office for GoDaddy and talk to somebody? What is it? I mean, all I have to do is flip a switch. Why does it take three days for them to turn the thing back on? I mean, I'm having all these conversations with myself. And, uh. And I thought, you know, if I could have written myself a letter last Monday from today, I, it would have 
been something like this. Hey, Ron, don't worry about the website shutting down. And uh, don't worry about the possibility of rain. And don't worry about the people not being able to know what time your Easter services are. The website will be back up on Friday. It's not going to rain. And you're going to see the largest Easter attendance in the history of the Springs. Uh, God is sending 7,500 people to the Springs for Easter. That's just... And the, the stories and the life change, it would have been, it's going to be amazing in joy. See, if I had that information, I would have lived last week with a heart of gratitude instead of a heart of worry. And you know, that's that, that you've got to come to the place where you realize, you know what, God's in control. You're not, when you can't control, you've got to trust the only one who has control. That's where you lean in. That's where your prayer life gets richer. That's where you trust. And, you know, knowing and doing. I've thought about, you know, you'll, 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 you will be the one who is wise if you do what you know. Jesus said that. You don't want to know that a lot of people know about Jesus. They know that he's the son of God. They know that he, he died on a cross and he rose from the dead. You know that. You've just never done anything with that. You've never followed that. You've never trusted him. You've never put feet to your faith. You know it, but you don't do it. And that is what changes your life. Saying, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. And you can make that decision right here today, right now. Let's go to the Father in prayer. As you bow your heads and close your eyes. If that's your desire, you say, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus. I want to trust him as a savior of my life. Tell him that. You could pray this prayer and say, dear God, Thank you for loving me. Thank you for never giving up on me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. And today, Jesus, I choose to follow you. I choose to make you the leader and the savior of my life. Now teach me how to walk with you. And I ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Church at the Springs podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, be sure to leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you're in the area, join us on Sundays. For times and locations, visit thesprings.net. And again, thank you for listening to the Church at the Springs podcast.